Welcome to another edition of the Ultimate Weigh-In Show. I'm your host, Manpreet, a.k.a. MMA Lock of the Night, and your boy on Twitter at MMALOTN. This week, we're going over a big UFC 267 card headlined by a shit ton of Russians. But most importantly, we got uh, Jan Blachowicz defending his light heavyweight strap against Glover Teixeira, the fight that everybody's been clamoring for, especially with Glover Teixeira going on the run that he's been on over the last couple of fights. So thank God the UFC has rewarded us with that specific fight. But most importantly, we got a beautiful bantamweight strap in the co-main event between Piotr Jan and Corey Sandhagen, heavily debated throughout the week, and I can't wait to get everybody's thoughts on it. Most importantly, the guests that I'm going to be bringing on in a couple of seconds here. Um, as you guys know, I've been doing my best in terms of trying to keep the quality of guests to a high level, and I feel like I've done the, the, the right thing this time around as well with the guy that I'm going to be bringing on here, and a fellow Canadian as well, too, so it's always good to get, you know, the, the great white north on the stream with me, uh, and, uh, you know, even though sometimes we look down on Quebec a little bit, I love my guy Olivier Obama, <laughs> so regardless, French-Canadian or not, he is a Canadian. Olivier, how's it going, brother? I'm good, than you? I'm good, man. I'm good. I, I I was talking a little bit of shit of Quebec, but I do like Quebec. Yeah, I what like the heck is that? There. I nah, thought that nah, nah. I thought that was welcome there. What the <laughs> hell is that? There's oh, always yeah. sometimes there's what? a little bit of friction. That's worse than Alexander Hernandez. What the heck? <laughs> <laughs> no, I love I love Quebec to be honest. Honestly, I love coming to Montreal, going to the Julep, and you know visiting all the nice nice places over there. I'm just you know giving you some shit right now. I actually have some cousins that live out in Montreal as well. Uh, are you a frequent visitor of the Julep? Is the main question. Um, well, try story just beside the, the Julep. Yep. So uh, yeah, I, I, I'm going there sometime when I'm uh, in vacation, uh, but. You know what? We have so many like good restaurants in Montreal that sure. uh, Julep is probably <laughs> one of my last uh, choice. Uh, but we are like so freaking lucky in Montreal uh, with all the table we have here. It's it's just crazy. It's like New York City, but uh, have the price. So uh, why yeah. not? Eh? Well, what I really enjoy about Montreal is it's kind of like we get a taste of Europe in canada and we don't usually get that in other cities right like yeah. you do feel a little bit different like walking downtown montreal or old montreal compared to toronto i'm never i'm not sure if you've actually been out to the toronto side of things but like yeah. you feel the difference there right i i do enjoy the montreal side yeah and to be fair um like 10 years ago i remember i went to uh, toronto and i was like ah it's uh it's good but you know it's but uh, I think it's five years ago I went and everything changed. It was crazy. Even the table you have now over there, it's it's amazing. And it's like a, a bigger Montreal. It's uh, like I was really impressed. I really liked uh, Toronto last time. It's too bad I didn't go for uh, for a long time because of COVID. But uh, for sure, I'm going to come back uh, pretty soon. I have some friend over there, some training partner too. So uh, for sure, it's uh, on my list. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been around the the regional MMA scene for a long, long time now, and it's hilarious that people always continuously talk about TriStar in Montreal. That's like obviously the big gym over there. But little do a lot of people know that your original gym was in TriStar, right? I believe it was H two O, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, at what point did you kind of start shifting on over to TriStar, and you've kind of been like going going back and forth between both gyms? Is that is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, actually, it's pretty funny because um, uh, in the beginning, I was training uh, all the time at the H2O and I was uh, maybe going to uh, to go more at Trice or, you know, to uh, to uh, to have some partner, you know. And uh, for us, uh, no. 
Oh, really? <laughs> the, yeah, the first time I asked it, yeah, he said no. And actually, I, I fought um, one of my good uh, training partner right now, uh, Mandel Nato. Uh, yeah. I, I fought him uh, in uh, amateur. Yeah. Uh, so he so was my last fight uh, amateur. Then I went pro. And after my first pro fight, uh, me and Ferraz kind of like uh, got uh, talked to each other. And there was like a misunderstanding the first time I asked him to uh, to come. And uh, so I, after that, I I went to a TriStar. And uh, like I, I would say uh, during COVID, I was doing mainly my, uh, my training camp in uh, H2O uh, because it was kind of weird to go at TriStar. Uh, during COVID with, uh, you know, all the rules For sure. and, um, uh, but like, uh, like right now I'm doing maybe two, three days a week there. And then I'm going to H2O for some reason. I really like the, the, you know, the small group training right now. Yeah. Uh, I really felt it was great for my last two training camp. And, uh, I'm going to continue a little bit like this. For sure. We have a, a, a bit of a mutual friend. Uh, so I actually used to work at a gym out here in Toronto called Grants MMA. And uh, one of the main guys that we had was on the Ultimate Fighter with you, Mr. Elias Theodoru. Uh, do you, <laughs> <laughs> did you guys get along much during during the, the taping of that? Do you guys still keep in contact at all? Um, you know, I, I saw him a lot at TriStar. Uh, but I, I, I will be honest with you, I didn't see him for like maybe three or four years. I still follow him on Instagram and everything, but like he's the kind of guy who like he is really like a funny guy. Of course, yeah, you guys <laughs> yeah, seem like you would get along. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I really liked him. I think he was really, uh, really funny, and he was the one of the most interesting uh, guy in the, on the Ultimate Fighter too. Uh, so no, for sure, and I, I'm pretty happy that he's a happy uh, drug addict right now. You know. <laughs> He's like the pothead of MMA. Like he's, he's yeah, giving exactly. Sean O'Malley a run for his money now. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> uh, last question, then we'll get into the card here. Uh, when you were in your amateur days, I'm, I'm trying to pull it up right now. Did you ever fight for Fight Quest? I believe that was the promotion there, no? Yeah, I think my first fight was uh, for Fight Quest. And the, was I that in the, the, the reserve, the Kanawaki? I don't ball? remember. I don't think it was in the reserve. No. I think it was one of the first show, like in uh, maybe in Laval or somewhere like, like this. But uh, I remember fighting for Fight Quest, but I'm not sure where it, where it was. It was like so long ago. But uh, um, yeah, I remember on that card uh, there was Eman Zabi. Yeah. Uh, I think there was was there Mike Ritchie. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. No, I don't think there was Mike Ritchie. But I'm sure uh, Eman Zabi was fighting uh, on that card uh so it's a uh, it's always fun like to see how we uh we all e evolve in the sport exactly that so when i used to work at that gym we used to take a bunch of our amateur competitors and bring them to fight quest and uh go down to kanawaki and they, the i'm not sure if you ever been to the venue that they had down there but it was like a it looked like a small church and our and our warm-up area was in the kitchen and they have like two mats on the ground for us to like prepare and get these guys ready to go out there and fight in front of all these people it was hilarious but i remember seeing guys like mark andre barrio the jordan brothers who are obviously very big as well um you know coming up fighting on the same card sam debalt I believe is another guy that you might have trained with in the past mm -hmm. as well. Uh, but yeah, it was awesome. Like just seeing those guys and now seeing where they are with their careers now. And then even yourself who was pretty much an amateur back then as well too, and seeing these guys grow. And there was always like an Ontario versus Quebec kind of rivalry because Ontario was always so shit in terms of putting uh, shows on. So we had to go over to Quebec and have our guys <laughs> compete over there. Or there was Gatineau 
at the casino or whether it was in Montreal or even on the native reserve over there. So I, I got a bunch of stories of my my experiences over there with Quebec and the regional scene. But I just wanted to know if you had actually made it down to that amateur, amateur show for Fight Quest down in uh, Kanawaki. Very interesting. I'm not sure if you've ever been down to Kanawaki, but uh, I'm sure you may have a story or two about that very shady place. <laughs> yeah, but well, I, I like Kanawaki. I mean, it's a uh, land of the free. <laughs> exactly. Man, uh, yeah, yeah, no, it's a, it's a, fuck, I, I'm not sure if I fought there. I know I went there for some of my friends' fights, um, but for some reason, I know I fought a lot on Brassard, like, in, uh -huh. like, like, you know, those freaking, like, bar. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> they, they were trying to get it done almost, anywhere, Almost, man. like, on the side of the ring and everything, so I fought there. Um, I fought in Gatineau, too. Yeah, but I just did for a uh, amateur fight. Uh, I remember after uh, after fighting uh, Mendel, uh, I was not able to get any fights, and uh, I think anyway Mendel was the the, the main boss anyway. So yeah. <laughs> um, after that, like I, I went pro. But even pro, it was so hard to get uh, people to fight. Yeah, I see. Like even uh, on topology, like the your first two fights that you got signed for your pro debut both fell out. Daniel Ireland mm -hmm. and uh, Justin Smethurst, I believe the kid's name was. Uh, but yeah, it, it's awesome just seeing everybody kind of develop to where they are right now. But uh, mm -hmm. one one more thing, actually, before we do get into the card, uh, in regards to your reactions to the past PFL fights that we just had on Wednesday, did you get to watch the card? And then obviously, what did you think of? Well, I guess let's talk about your weight class, right? Let's talk about Manfio uh, and that fight. How did you feel about that fight? And what, what are your thoughts on it? Well, first of all, if Manfio is there, it's because of me. <laughs> <laughs> right? I got hurt. It could have been you. It could have been you. <laughs> but you know what? When he uh, when he uh, he said at the end of the fight, like I would like to thank uh, Jesus or God, I was like, dude, like I don't really believe in it, but for you i think it's true because i got hurt then he went he, he did the fight but then they didn't put in the in the the, the playoff no nope. we had pittis to miss weight first and then he came back so <laughs> twice <laughs> twice they asked him and then he was able to win the million dollars so i'm i'm pretty happy for him actually i know he was supposed to maybe retire the uh, just before he got called so i'm i'm really happy that he is the winner uh, to be honest, I really think I, I would have beat both of those guys in the final. Um, but still, like, if if someone, like, I, I'm really happy that Manfield uh, won that, actually, you know? I think uh, he I think owes you 10% of that million dollars, Olivier. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be honest, brother. I think he owes you about 10%. But maybe you can get that back next season, right? I'm, I'm assuming the plan is for you to be a part of their next season, depending on how, how it goes down. Is that correct? Yeah, I have three years with them, uh, so it's a little bit like the UFC. Uh, I have to stay with them, but they can't kick me out. Uh, I have the feeling they they like me, um, even though, <laughs> uh, even though, um, uh, I, well, I, I'm gonna tell you the story actually. Me, uh, my me. last fight, uh, uh, my opponent, he missed weight. You know, he he missed weight. I think by three pounds. But the thing, it's. Um, uh, they told me before the weigh-in that he's gonna he was going to miss for one uh, for one pound. Yeah. So some some guy called me. He's like, "Oh, your opponent's gonna like um, uh, miss weight for by one pound." Like, okay, no problem. Like, let's let's do this shit. Like, uh, let's go. Uh, I, I don't care. 
And at the weigh-in, I see he missed weight for 3.5 uh, pounds. So I was like, what the heck is that? Like, th this guy freaking lied to me. And I was kind of like, I was pretty mad, actually. So I text the guy. I was like, yo, you, you lied to me. You, it was not one pound. It was 3.5 pounds. Anyway, we do the, the, uh, like the, the, the picture and everything. Uh, we go in the back and I ask uh, Ed, uh, like one of the guys who would take care of the fighters, like, yo, like, I was like, dude, who's this guy? Like, uh, I show him the, the phone numbers, like, who, who called me and told me it was one pound? I really think it's really disrespectful to, uh, to tell me that. And, uh, the, the, and then so, come up three pounds over instead. Yeah, exactly. So Ed is like, oh, give me the, the phone number. I'm going to see and I'm going to text him to, to come see me and like, like talk to you, you know? So yeah, I give him the, the phone number and it was Recefo. Oh no. <laughs> so, so he's like, oh, it's Recefo. I was like, oh, okay, no, that's. <laughs> that, I take it back, you know, I take it back, boss, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was like, don't worry about that. And I was like, oh shit, I just texted the guy. He's like, you fucking lied to me and everything. So like Recefo like show up. I was like, yeah, I, I kind of text you. <laughs> He's gonna think you're like a diva, hard to work with, or yeah. something like that. <laughs> but like, like it was all, all good, you know. Ray was, sure. was like, uh, "I'm sorry, the, uh, like the guy at the weigh-in told me it was one pound. I really thought it was yeah. one pound, so it was like miscommunication." And so I was like, "Don't and worry, you're weight, and you're cutting yeah. weight. I'm sure you're upset too." Like, you know, well, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's it was everything. You know, and I mean, three point five pound. It's it's a lot. I, I I think I would have asked a little bit more than twenty percent. You know, for sure. Uh, uh, but anyway, like I, I thought it was pretty funny, and I was like telling uh, Edward, like, uh, uh, "Am I getting signed next year too?" Because <laughs> <laughs> did I screw my chances over? Yeah, did I screw everything? <laughs> Well, at, with all due respect to Mr. Daryl Horcher, at least he's a, a wrestler that could have used those extra poundages to, to put on top of you and kind of drag you out and, and make it tougher, right? I think he's more of a striker than anything. Uh, so I think, you know, was it really going to make too much yeah, difference I mean, based on your game plan that you're going to implement in that fight anyway? Yeah, and you know what? It was really nice after, too. He, like, he truly apologized. Like, uh, I really think he, he felt bad about it. And at the same time, I... I kind of felt like it's understandable uh, because of covid because of everything you know uh he got called maybe two three weeks before uh, the fight uh he, he was actually actually supposed to fight one of my friends uh, mixed oh yeah and they asked him to fight him uh, at the pfl uh, but uh nathan uh, got injured and they called him instead uh so i was kind of like uh, you know what like there is no problem uh, about that so absolutely uh, uh i will say you have pr you probably had one of the toughest last three fights in the ufc before you know come on alexander hernandez gilbert burns and then armand surukin before he really started to blow up but people knew what kind of shit armand surukin you know, was mm -hmm. was was bringing to the table, especially with his UFC debut against Islam Mahachev and the kind of fight that I gave to him. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that one last time before we actually get to the fights here. When you got that call for Armand, what what, what was like the the conversation? Was there any conversation where you're just like, I have to give whatever, or or I have to take whatever the UFC is giving me at that point in time? What, yeah, you know what? I was coming from two uh, two last two. Yeah, uh, I just lost against uh, Gilbert, so like for sure I was kind of in a weird spot, you know. And uh, uh, Ferraz was really not happy with the matchup. 
Um, but you know, I was like, dude, like, if yeah, I, if I, I, like, I, I need to take the fight, like, yeah. not, not only like the UFC um, uh, want me to take the fight, but personally, I, I, like, my goal in this sport is to fight anybody, you know, for sure. Uh, I want to be uh, able to beat anybody, and uh, like, fuck, uh, I was not going to say no, and at that point, I was, um, I was betting a lot and I was talking to a lot of uh, capper <laughs> and actually oh, yeah. the capper were like, no, don't take the fight. <laughs> I, I think that was when uh, our guy Josh P hit you up, right? Uh, oh, yeah. I think it was Josh. Yeah. He's the one that kind of yeah. like helped you all kind of break down that fight. But again, very, very, very tough ass to beat a guy like that, who I, I think you would agree to. You could probably see him in a title fight within the next year, year and a half, if you can mm -hmm. stay active enough. Right. So very, very tough fight, but it's still you are in the PFL now, my friend, right? Like you, you, you have the chance to go out there and win a million dollars by just winning. There's no nonsense. There's no storyline. There's no bullshit. You go in mm -hmm. there, you fight, you win, you make it to the finals, you win a million dollars. Wouldn't you, is that almost not like a blessing in disguise? Like, I think that a lot of people in the past were just talking about like, or over like since the, the last event, they're just like, why are the UFC fighters not just hopping over to the PFL now? Right. Not trying to shit on the PFL roster, but like to, you know, there, there's fighters, there's so many times where like Tony Ferguson had so many fights before he finally got a title shot. Whereas here it's like, you win a couple of, you know, the regular season, you win the playoffs, you win the finals million dollars. There you go. There's no, if ands or buts, you don't even have to build a social media presence if you don't want to. You get a million dollars, right? Mm -hmm. I, I, do you think that we're going to start to see a slow transition of fighters from either Bellator, or UFC, whatever, start to make make their way over to the PFL? Because I think the PFL needs it sooner than later. Because there's only so much time that they continue war, uh, awarding, you know, the million dollar prizes. Not to mention the purses that you guys are already getting paid. They need to see that turnaround already. They need to see the the big names come over there so that they can, you know, reach a wider audience and get more advertising dollars, all that type of stuff. You got to believe more people are going to hop over soon, right? Yeah. Well, I hope so. And I know this year they they signed a lot of uh, of big name, and uh, unfortunately, uh, I think Rory was the uh, the one who did the best. You know, Wardoom yeah. kind of fell. Yeah. Same thing with Pettis. Yeah. Um, so I think it's it's a shame, you know. Uh, but I think it's gonna be really hard for PFL to sign people uh, really known in the U in the UFC and people not only known but like still in uh, on their prime. Um, yeah. I I think sometimes it's um, uh, those fighters like you know they they don't they don't see what's best for them. And they just want to be in the UFC. That yeah. that's it. Uh, but maybe at some point, someone's gonna decide. You know what? I, I'm tired of this. I'm I'm tired of uh, getting treated like this. Like personally, I, I really think uh, 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 I'm getting like a, a better treatment uh, uh, in PFL. Um, like for sure, the all, everybody that work for UFC are awesome, but it's more the higher uh, strat. I mean, I, I got called when I, I was hurt uh, just to to get some pressure, you know, to for me to yeah. fight even if I'm hurt. Like PFL, it never happened. When I got hurt for for my first fight, they called me asking me if uh, I wanted uh, I needed money so I could like go and help them, you know, to to work with them. Uh, so it's uh, like two different uh, uh, mentality and. Uh, I do feel so, like some people is going to come uh, to PFL, but I think it's going to be hard. I think it's going to be uh, really hard. Uh, so I, I really hope it's uh, it's going to happen. But... All right, let's I get you that, that million I, dollars first. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I know that uh, who did the design uh, from Ireland uh, or Scotland for PFL? Yeah, I, I know they signed like a 155 or like uh, recently. Uh, for, um, did he already compete for them or no? No, he would be the first. He, he was a UFC fighter before. Uh, I don't recall if anybody in the chat could help us out with that. Uh, recently signed UFC fighter hopping over to PFL. Mm -hmm. I think you said um, from uh, from that region, Ireland, Scotland. If anybody in the chat has that answer, that'll be great. But uh, uh, Oli, let's not wait any more time, brother. Let's let's, yeah. let's get into this. Let's get into this. We got fourteen. Yeah, points. sorry about I that. Say, I no, no, I, dude, I could talk to you for an hour and a half, and it seems like the people in the comment section are really enjoying it as well. But the main purpose of the show is to talk about some bets. Let's try to put some money in some people's pockets. And <laughs> first and foremost, I'm talking. I'm saying fourteen fights because we're scheduled to have fifteen. But this morning or late last night, depending on when you guys were watching the weigh-ins, Demir Ismagulov is the first guy to hit the scales. Comes out at a 163 pounds and it just looks horrible literally his coaches are helping him take his clothes off getting him onto the scale misses weight by seven and a half pounds and then they quickly you know scrap the fight after that i just want to get your thoughts like have you ever had like a horrible weight cut like like obviously all weight cuts are tough on your body don't get me wrong but is there one that comes to mind where you're like fuck i i really felt like shit going into this fight um I, I just before like uh, how many pounds did he, he miss weight seven and a half oh shit. <laughs> yeah. I, I heard recepho called his opponent and told him it was one pound though <laughs> 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 um uh, if i had like a big uh weight cut uh, i think the the hardest one i had was in new york city um Shit, I don't remember my opponent. It was uh, during uh, the the Habib uh, crazy uh, oh, event. Oh, UFC with... 223 against Evan Dunham. Yeah, Evan Dunham, exactly. It, yeah, I think he finished it was him really in like... 53 seconds. So like, <laughs> good thing go. he didn't go uh, go longer because I would that be dead. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, that was a really hard one. And after that one, I, I was like, okay, I have to. Uh, uh to lose less uh, water than that uh, it's like it was like it was not hard hard like uh, oh man i'm not gonna make it but it was like like not enjoyable you know it was really 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 not fun um but other than that normally i just maybe lose nine pounds of water uh so i'm not the biggest uh, guy that, like that lose a lot of water i remember against gilbert burns um uh, when the first fight got cancelled, it's because it came in at 186 <laughs> the week of the 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 the, the, well, yeah, the week of the fight, and they said, yeah, you know, he cannot lose uh, that much weight. And I was like, 180 fucking six pounds. Like, when I'm big, I'm not even that. Like, <laughs> when I eat whatever I want, I'm not even 186. You know. <laughs> It, it, uh, it's funny on topology for that council belt it says burns deemed too heavy to attempt weight cut <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and dude i was looking at i was talking and i was looking at his uh, like uh, instagram story and he, he was like showing his abs and everything i was like like what the fuck like this guy i have no fat at all like how yeah. the fuck does he do that like it's it's crazy you know yeah uh, one of the uh, questions I asked one of the coaches that I had on recently was, uh, like, do you put stock into how a fighter looks on the scale? Um, or, uh, you, you know, what, how do you kind of judge what kind of shape a fighter is 
in just by looking them and looking at them at the weigh-ins. And the one thing that he said is the 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 main part is how they rehydrate, how they put the weight back on. That's the important part, not how they look on the scale, but how do they, what are they doing to get, you know, nutrients and all that stuff back into their body so that they can actually fight. What, what's your take on that? Like, do you kind of agree with that? Like that a lot of it is on the replenishment and not so much, you know, getting the weight down. Like, obviously that's a huge part of it too, but to you, what's, what's kind of the, the big part about the weigh-ins and replenishing? Yeah, I think, I think he's right about that. And in a betting perspective, um, I do feel missing weight is a red flag um but like making weight and it, like i mean some like fucking fire like like or like this on the the scale maybe that's a red flag too but if sometimes they have trouble uh i do feel that they maybe they're just gonna like freaking like do everything's right like i mean habib have a, a lot of trouble during yeah. uh, making his weight Happy so I just feel that some people, it may be a red flag. Uh, uh, for some reason, I have, who missed weight last week? Um, um, I'm trying to recall. I remember saying it's a red flag and fuck. Uh, anyway. Up right now. Uh, somebody did miss weight last week. Well, Paulo Costa obviously you know, oh yeah, like, Polo Costa, exactly. Like two weight classes, or yeah, exactly. Class, right? <laughs> so that's the reason why I, I bet uh, against Polo Costa. I really yeah. thought it was like a, a a big red flag, and especially you come in the uh, the freaking uh, like press conference, like yeah, yeah nah, I, no, no way, I'm doing that. He no, didn't give a fuck. He did like, not give a shit. What the hell is that? Exactly. <laughs> it's like oh, a little bit with a smile too, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's like he he didn't care. Like to me, it seemed like he just wanted to get caught by the UFC because there were rumors that he's been trying to get paid more or something like that. So I thought he wanted to like sabotage the event a little bit and then try to get cut. But apparently he's sticking around. Dana White didn't take it as harshly as I thought he would as of. But uh, it, it paid off, man. Like <clears throat> his strongest round was the fifth round, right? Like he goes out there and was really putting it on Marvin Vittori that night. So a uh, very interesting aspect there. So uh, Ollie, let's just get right into the card. You're right at the bottom yeah, of the yeah. fight. We got a 125-pound bout between Tagir Ulenbekov, obviously a, a fellow Dagestani, another guy that used to train under Khabib's uh, father as well. He's going up against Brazilian Alan Nascimento. In terms of odds, we obviously have heavy chalk on the Dagestani as we normally do, minus 355 on him, plus 320 on Alan Nascimento. Tagir Ulenbekov, you know, kind of lanky for this division five foot seven uh, he's usually the taller guy in his fights but in this fight alan asimento is actually five foot nine so he's going to be dealing with a slightly taller opponent uh ulenbekov's game a lot of it is predicated around what dagestanis do and that's dragging your ass to the ground and trying to you know really put the, the work on you from on top he's really good at scrambling as well but on the feet he's not too bad either he can really hold his own there i feel like he uses his striking when he's able to kind of maintain his distance from his opponent but i don't think he's going to have obviously he's not going to have the height or reach advantage here so i think you will see him kind of shoot a little bit more nascimento obviously you know more often now when you get a guy from brazil he is a brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt that's what we are getting from nascimento but i just don't think he's going to be able to keep up with kind of that grinding resting pace that uh, ulenbekov is going to be able to throw on him here um Nascimento has never been finished in his career. Very durable. He's fought some pretty good competition on the regional scene as well. Will Camposano is one guy that really comes to mind. Not a lot of people are really familiar with him if they kind of started watching after the, you know, Conor McGregor era. But Camposano is definitely a very uh, viable opponent that we've seen him kind of go up against in the regional scene. Uh, 
but here I think I think he's gonna. I think he's going to get grapple fucked, man. That's kind of like what I like to call it here. I think he's just going to get taken down. I think he'll be uh, pretty much ahead of the scrambles at pretty much every single time. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Like in terms of like the, the Dagestani wrestlers going up against Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belts, like do you have any type of thought on those type of stylistic matchups? Yeah, I really think that uh, um, Dagestani's wrestler have the edge on, on any uh, grappler. Um, I think it's really harder to to tap someone in MMA, uh, and I think, especially in the new uh, generation, uh, be be on the bottom. It's really, really, really bad. Uh, even if you are one of the best on the ground, I think it's really bad. Uh, so that's the reason why I, I do think uh, all the Russian right now are uh, maybe have a, a, an edge on, on everybody. Um, so yeah, no, I, I would go with the uh, the Russian on this one too. Even though I don't really uh, know uh, any of those guys, and I find that, uh, uh, by the way, I find that this card is uh, it's on a betting perspective, it's a really hard card to bet. Yeah, to bet on. Got to do a lot um, of parlays and stuff to try to get some value if you want, or bet props as well. That's another way of going about it. But uh, yeah, you really have to like dig deep to find like a good dog. And I feel like I found a couple good dogs that I can't wait to hear your thoughts on once we actually get to them. But yeah, I don't mm -hmm. think Nascimento is one of those guys that we need to be looking at as a potential live underdog in the spot. So uh, I got mm -hmm. Ulimbekov. Our guy Ali has Ulimbekov as well. So let's just keep the mood, the train moving along here. We got uh, Yuzong Hu going up against Andre Petrovsky, 185 pound belt. Petrovsky coming in on short notice here somewhat. Uh, he did fight a couple, I believe, uh, a couple weeks ago uh, where he made his UFC debut. Some Meeting Michael Gilmer in the third round, which was kind of the surprise to a lot of people because Andre Petrovsky, one of those very, you know, thick wrestling jujitsu guys, uh, but has a horrible gas tank. That's kind of been his downfall on the ultimate fighter. He ended up losing, he ended up losing uh to uh, Brian Battle, who ended up going on to win the ultimate fighter. But the reason he ended up losing that fight when balls to the wall in that first round was not able to finish Brian Battle and then eventually got finished in that second round himself. But if you look at his record, the guy just has a plethora of first round finishes getting guys to the ground smashing them on the ground either getting a tko or a submission i think that's going to kind of be the same thing here against yuzong who who uh you know making a, uh, his comeback after an extended layoff uh he got uh pretty much thrown around by Cyril Asker up at heavyweight in his UFC debut. Then he went down away class, fought Rashad Coulter, got out gutted in that fight as well, where he just couldn't keep up with him. And now here he is going up against probably the best skilled fighter that he's fought to this point. But there are some interesting things because uh, who finally coming down to his legitimate weight class of 185 pounds, the guy looked pretty good on the scales this morning. And people are thinking that it's going to be very difficult for Petrovsky to drag this guy to the ground. I don't think so. I think Petrovsky will be able to get this guy to the ground. I think he'll be able to smash him. I think once it hits the ground, they are levels apart in terms of the jiu-jitsu, and I think that we'll be able to see that right off the bat. Uh, I believe Yuzong has been spending the majority of his time over there at the UFC Shanghai PI, uh, and they have not been that hot recently, not at all, not to mention the couple guys that actually lost in the contender series earlier this week as well. Um, if this does get out of the first round, yes, it gets super fishy for Petrovsky. Yuzong could probably put it on him, probably get him out of there in the second or third round, which is why the only way that I'm approaching this, I have an official bet, uh, a small play on Petrovsky to win in round one at plus 250 rather than playing minus 230, which I think is just a crazy line, especially considering the most of his success will come in that first round. 
or you can play your Zong Hu round two, round three, which is obviously going to be a crazy number considering he's an underdog. And we obviously know that these round props are obviously like plus 1200 plus 1500 is normally what you get for those spots. So uh, what are your thoughts here? I'm not sure if you're too familiar with Petrosky, but uh, it's, you don't usually have too much confidence betting a guy that doesn't have great cardio, but I feel like the skill level is just so vast and so separated once these guys hit the mat. Yeah, I think uh, I'm gonna pass on this one. As, like, like you said, if Piotrowski have a like a cardio uh, a problem, that could be a, like truly a uh, like a big problem. And uh, for uh, for who, like it's sad to say, but um, the level right now, I don't I don't feel it's uh, in China yet. Uh, I think they are trying to build them, and it's gonna take some time. And I, I don't think it's uh, it's over there uh yet and i do like his uh, nickname totoro um <laughs> but yeah I, 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 like there is two mystery uh in this fight i think the like you said uh anything can happen if like uh, the, the first round pass and anything can happen too in the first round so uh personally I, i'm not confident i'm not really uh, familiar with any of those guys so for me i'm gonna pass there we go. There we go. All right, let's keep it moving along because we still got 12 more fights to get through. We got Maquan Americani going up against Lerone Murphy. In terms of odds, we got minus 280 on Lerone Murphy and plus 255-ish on Maquan. I'm pretty sure you're familiar with Mr. Maquan Americani, so I'll just actually kick it on over to you. How do you feel about this matchup? Uh, look, I'm a big fan of uh, Maquan Americani. Um, as a fighter, you know, I really like uh, watching him. Uh I like the fact that he kind of gas, <laughs> yeah. And I, I think it it makes every fight interesting. Um, uh, but I bet against him in the in the past, and I, I do feel it's never fun to bet uh, against him. Uh, I think uh, Murphy is better than him, uh, but McQuan is so dangerous uh, in the first uh, in the first round and a half. So I'm gonna pass on this one. I don't know how you feel about this uh, this fight. Yeah, with with Makwan Amir Khani, very crafty, especially with like his darts chokes and his anaconda chokes. It has a very good sneaky choke game for sure. And that's something that Lerone Murphy's going to have to worry about. Uh, the spot that I actually liked is the violence bet in this fight, the under two and a half, because I could see, you know, uh, Makwan Amir Khani locking up a sub early here. Uh, mm. The sub prop is actually, last time I checked, it's roughly around plus 800, which I think is absolutely crazy considering his level of jiu-jitsu experience. And then on the flip side, uh, with Lerone Murphy, I feel like he could be live to knock him out in the third round here. Now, I've seen the argument of if Edson Barboza can't knock him out, if Kamwala Kurt can't knock out uh, Makwan Amir Khani, no matter how gassed he is, why do you think that a guy like Lerone Murphy will be able to? The difference is I feel like we'll see Lerone stuff the takedowns a little bit later compared to uh, you know, Edson Barboza and Kamala Kirk and those guys, they were giving up takedowns. Shane Burgos did a really good job in terms of, you mm -hmm. know, not giving up takedowns. And then he finished Maquan Americani near the ending of that fight. And Lerone Murphy hits very, very hard, in my opinion. And I think that if he's able to catch Maquan Americani coming in, stuff a couple of takedowns, and then, you know, you really pour it on him uh, late in this fight. I think he can get him out of there. So I had my eye on Lerone Murphy round three at plus 1,000. I think it's worth a little bit of a shot. But even on the flip side, Maquan Americani by sub plus 600, plus 800. I think that has some value as well. So uh, I'm on the Lerone Murphy side. Seems like uh, Ollie over there doesn't want to pick on either side here, which is completely okay with me. Uh, but uh, yeah, I do like Lerone Murphy. Not worth the minus 300 though. I think that no, exactly. Uh, I do think uh, Lerone is better. 
and I do think he's gonna win, but like <laughs> minus three hundred, I don't know. <laughs> That's a little crazy. That is absolutely yeah. crazy. All right, let's move on to the next fight. We got a set of two oh fivers going up against each other between uh Mihal Oleg Shajak going up going up against Shamil Gamzatov. Now Gamzatov is not your normal Russian Dagestani guy, if that's what you guys are gonna be considering here. He likes to go out there, he likes to strike. He's more of the, the striking kind of Russian here. He has some clean combinations from the outside, not a lot of power on his shots. You'll see he goes to a decision more often than not in some uh, in his fights, but he's going to split decisions against some very questionable competition in my in my eye. Uh the Klitson Abreu fight was very, very close, probably could have gone Klitson's way as well. But that just goes to show that Gabzatov kind of lets fights slip away from him at times. Now he's 14 and all, obviously, he's undefeated, but he has fights that are just a little bit too close for my liking. Now, with the Mihal Olekshajek side of things, you got a guy that's going to march forward pretty much the entire time. He has decent uh, durability. His cardio is really coming into to play here now. And uh, uh, I think he'll be able to march down Gamzatov, make it look good for the judges in terms of being the one that's kind of moving forward the entire time, throwing combinations. And he's not really a headhunter either, which is great. Really likes to throw shots to the body as well so that he can bring the hands down of his opponents so that he can go back up to the head once that actually is uh, exposed for him. Uh, my issue is if Gamzatov decides to switch it up on us and try to drag this fight to the ground because Oleg Shajak is a little bit of a fish off of his back, to be honest. It's not, it doesn't look the prettiest. He's been submitted a couple times, as you can already see on his record, when he is taken down. But that's just not Gamzatov's game. So that that's why I'm kind of leaning with the underdog here in Oleg Shajak. I think that he will be able to kind of move forward, make it look good for the judge and take home a decision victory, which the prop on that, I think, was about plus 300. So we're talking about forward-moving pressure from Oleg Shejuk and then kind of that finesse type of striking on the outside from Gamzatov. But he's going to be on his back foot for the majority of this fight, in my opinion. W what's your take on this fight, given those two styles that we have here? And in terms of pick, like I said, Oleg Shejuk by decision is what I'm going with. Yeah, I'm not familiar with those two, but uh, uh, I think... Uh... Uh, with the style that you just said, uh, I think uh, I think you're right. I think I'm gonna tell you on this one. <laughs> Let's go, gangster. Let's go. All right. I, I will say this: he is one of the few underdogs that I do like on the card. There aren't many, but he's one of the few that I feel like stylistically he could give, give Gamzatov mm. some issues. <clears throat> All right. Let's move on to the next fight. We got Elizio Zaleski going up against Benoit Saint Denis. In terms of odds, we got minus. 225 on Dos Santos and plus 205 from Saint Denis. Now, Ollie, I'm not just gonna lump all you French guys together and assume that you know who this Benoit Saint Denis guy is, but do you know him? No. <laughs> you haven't heard of him, no. No, I never heard of him, but uh, I'm gonna go with uh, Benoit Saint Denis on this one. <laughs> well, I, I, I could have guessed that even before we came on the show, my brother. But <laughs> <laughs> I look at his name, I don't even know the, the guy, and I was like, yeah, I, I kind of like the name. But by the way, I just want to say you're really, really good at saying any name. It's really impressive. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. I, I'm good, trying good. to I'm trying to work after John Anik and it's like I'm not going for John Anik's job or anything yeah. like that, but I really appreciate his ability to kind of pronounce names as best as possible. And obviously yeah. I was taught French up until the age of uh uh, well, up until grade nine. So I have to mm -hmm. have a little bit of French in me, right? So <laughs> let's see. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, what do you think of this fight? Uh, like I said, I'm not really familiar uh, with them. 
Uh, yeah. So, so, so Benoit Saint Denis, obviously, you see, has an eight and zero record, seven submission wins, one uh, knockout win. The guy is a balls to the wall guy. He goes forward. He tries to take you down. Uh, he's a submission over position kind of guy. So often, when you see him trying to go for an arm bar, a choke, whatever it might be, and he doesn't get it, he ends up on his back in a bad position. But luckily enough for him. You know, sketchy competition again. Brave Brave CF is a is a great co uh, company. Don't get me wrong, but once you get into the UFC and you start fighting guys that are very skilled, like a guy like Elizio Zaleski, who you know mainly has been seen as a striker before, is really starting to round out his game. Uh, there's a huge step up in competition there that I think that Benoit is just not ready for. But instead of paying the chalk here on uh, Zaleski dos Santos, which I know a couple of people are doing because they believe that he'll be able to go out there and, and knock this kid out, I went with the violence bet here as well too. I, I bet minus one thirty on. The the under two and a half because i feel like it will cover both angles here i think that we'll see benoit get a little bit too crazy a little bit too aggressive and that could you know just put him onto a knockout here and i think that zaleski will probably find his chin as, at a certain point and zaleski's no slouch on the ground either i think he could potentially put benoit into some uh sticky situations probably pull off a submission of his own and i've seen the 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 submission prop here for elizio zaleski is currently sitting at plus 900 i want to mind a little bit of a sprinkle there either but my official prediction is going to be Zaleski by knockout. Um, and, and I think that he's, uh, yeah, I think he's more than ready for this matchup. I think this is a giant step down for him. This Benoit guy looks entertaining. It looks fun. I just don't know how long his, uh, his 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 skills are going to cut in the UFC here just because he puts himself into too many bad positions and uh, he's really going to have to shore that up before he can you know really make a run against some of these top guys and again Zaleski is a beast in my opinion I think he'll be able to knock him out there so I'm going violence Ollie I'm going violence here yeah and I think uh, you're right like those fighters that come uh, from other organization that they are used to just jump uh, uh, for any submission um, when they they come in the ufc they they get a surprise uh like for sure if you're maybe not if you're called ortega but there are some like really uh, uh, uh some fighter that's gonna work but a lot of them like if you give up some position like this it's uh it's unforgivable in the in the ufc uh you may you may just lose because you gave up one position so um uh, like I said, uh, I think uh, I think you're right if you say that he's a green uh, green fighter. I, I apologize for your fellow Frenchman there, but I, I gotta go against him here. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he's French. We got we got so many other fights that we can still make money off, so it's fine. It's totally fine. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. A fight that I'm very much looking forward to, and the debut of Albert Durive. He's going up against Roman Kopilov. In terms of odds, we got minus three fifty now on Durive. Plus three fifteen is the return on Roman Kopilov. Now Albert Durive actually fought on the Contender Series at the beginning of september and quickly made uh or sorry made quick work of uh cow bittencourt a, a brazilian uh prospect he was able to take him down pretty much immediately and smish him as those russian guys do he smished this guy through the canvas i believe he finished him by neck crank shortly thereafter so uh, the guy kind of reminds me of chamayev in a sense that he really pushes the pressure tries to get the guys to the ground and then just punch their face through the mat or try to find a submission of some sort now uh, I'd like to actually get your opinion on this in terms of regional MMA promotions, in terms of the validity and the level of competition from these promotions before these guys come to the UFC. This guy was champion in two different divisions in ACA or ACB, whatever you want to call those guys over there. You got to rank that as one of the higher level regional promotions. No, or what, what other regional promotions do you kind of like point to to be like, oh, this guy must be legit if he's coming from mm -hmm. whatever the fuck. You know what I mean? But, but I mean, before it was like, uh, 
where it's a area of filing for sure it was a it's a, now it's pfl though um but for sure that was like a one of the the big one but like personally any organization uh from russia uh, <laughs> that's the right answer that is the correct answer <laughs> i mean uh Portian is from there like uh i think it was ACA Portian uh, if i remember correctly maybe i'm uh, who's I'm that wrong. Right? Uh, Portian was in uh, at ACA yeah i believe so yeah yeah uh so i mean all those guys they come from uh, uh those kind of uh of organization where everybody is good uh i do feel um maybe in the us and canada too uh like it's possible that you can just build your uh, uh, your record. I don't feel it's the same over there. Uh, it's I think very they're, they're hard to do. Yeah, yeah, like 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 I, I love TKO. I love those guys, mm -hmm. but those guys aren't really doing the hottest. You know, when they make it to the biggest promotions, because it feels like sometimes they're just getting built up a little bit too easily. Where they're just like, okay, let's not give. You know, like uh, for example, you know, I'm not I'm not shitting on him. I love Charles Jordan, one of my favorite mm -hmm. fighters. But like, you know, outside of the TJ Laramie fight that he had in TKO, it seemed a little bit set up for him to try to get the best opponent so that he can have some highlight real knockouts and make it to the UFC, which he ended up doing. Now it's getting a little bit harder for him to really find his groove inside the UFC. Uh, in terms of Roman Kopilov, who I didn't even bother touching on because I love Derive so much. Uh, Kopilov, a uh, striker, uh, likes to do his work from the outside. If he's able to get distance, if you give him the space to work, he's going to touch you up on the feet. However, when he was not given the distance and space in his UFC debut against Carl Roberson, he got ate up with leg kicks. And then he eventually got taken down in that third round and quickly submitted by a kickboxer, Olivier. A kickboxer, Carl Roberson, goes out there, takes this guy down, and chokes him up pretty quickly in that third round. Just looking at that alone, you could almost automatically bet Duraev. <laughs> but like yeah. you know, a person in my position, I have to go out there and do the work. And I still believe that Duraev is more than deserving of this minus 350 price tag. And he should go out there and, and smash this guy through the mat. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I think it's going to be a really bad matchup, especially for those uh, those guys that are used to uh, to KO people. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah, submission like the third round at four minutes. And you said it was really quick. Uh, well, he pretty much like from the entire fight, he didn't really get anything going because Carl Roberson wasn't giving him any space. He started kicking him. He really hurt his legs, like to the point that you guys could, you could see him wobbling and like, you know, really, mm -hmm. really making it tough for him to walk. And then in yeah. that third round, he actually put Carl Roberson in the eye really, really bad. Roberson took like two minutes to kind of recover. And then right after he recovered, he got the guy down and submitted him almost immediately. So oh. <laughs> yeah, not a good look. <laughs> yeah, I think Albayr is the, <laughs> is the Let's but go again, the like, uh, it's so tough, man. Uh, yeah. the, like, the odds are crazy, you know? What do you expect with these Russians only, yeah, right? Like, when they have yeah. this much of a, of a, of a, of a advantage, you, you got to go with them to a certain extent. There's going to be one of those guys that ends up losing that just gets flash knocked out. It's probably going to happen. But if it goes how it's supposed to go, 
these Russians should go out there and smash. So we'll go on to the yeah. next matchup here between Zubera Tuhugov and Ricardo Hamos. In terms of odds, we're looking at uh, minus 160 for Tuhugov and plus 140 for Ricardo Hamos. Now, when I started doing the research for this fight, I really thought I would end up having a bet on Ricardo Hamos here. Uh, I'm a fan of the kid. The guy has some good striking from the outside. Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. I think he's training over there with Uriah Faber and Team Alpha Mill now over the last couple fights, and it's kind of worked out for him. He sprung the upset in his last fight against Bill Algio. Uh, I like Hikaru Hamos. He came into the UFC with a ton of hype, uh, and then now people are kind of just throwing him off to the side after he got knocked out a couple times, and now I feel like they're underrating him. With the Tuhugov side of things, obviously, I'd put him on like the lower end of the Russians that are, you know, like, that good like Tuhugov uh likes to use his wrestling when he can but he can move forward throw some big shots no real technique behind it in my opinion i think it's more so big shots just to try to get you to respect him and then he'll eventually come with the, the takedown after but he also has horrible gas tank in my opinion as well so he's been to five decisions in his ufc career four of them have been split decisions of those four he's won one he's lost two and he went to a draw obviously with Lerone murphy as well uh, and in those five decision fights, he lost the third round on at least one judge's scorecard in every single fight. Not a good look. I think Hikaru Hamush will have the, the cardio advantage here. So there's two ways I'm looking at playing this. I, I am picking Tuhugov to win this fight. I do think he wins the first two rounds and survives the third and wins a decision. However, the props, the only props that I played for this fight, round one to Hugov plus 700, because I think that Hamosh does have a little bit of a durability issue. I think that to Hugov has enough knockout power to find that chin and probably put Hamosh out. But if he doesn't and this fight reaches the third round, I also poked plus 2,000 Hamosh round three because I feel like he could potentially, you know, snatch up a neck or something because there are times where Tuhugov gets a little bit too desperate with his takedowns in that third round just because he's so tired. And if you do that against a guy like a black belt like Hamosh, if he has enough in the tank, he'll either be able to snatch up a neck or be able to take your back, something that I've seen Tuhugov give up in the past as well when he's tired. And you don't want to give up your back against a high-level black belt like Hikaru Hamosh either. So my opinion or my prediction is Tuhugov survives that third round, wins a decision. But the juicy props that I'm playing, round one, Tuhugov plus 700, or round three, Hikaru Hamosh plus 2,000. Uh, before we went live, Ollie, you said you were really intrigued by Hamosh. I'm interested to hear your thoughts regarding this fight. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with uh, Ramos on this one. Uh, like you said, uh, the reason why I'm taking him is... Uh, uh, it's because, I mean, um, what is his name? <laughs> you have to help me talk, Google. <laughs> Zubera. Give me, just call him the Russian. Zubera. Like, okay. the Russian. I told you before the, the podcast. Of course. Like, of course. It's fine. <laughs> so, so Zubera, yeah, like you said, I think he's, uh, like, he's good. He's really good, but not as good as uh, other uh, wrestler uh, from Russian, uh, from Russia. Uh, I, I do think Ricardo is going to make, make him work on the ground. And like you said, you have a big problem uh, cardio-wise. Yeah. Uh, so I do think uh, Ricardo may have like a big first round, like a hard round. Um, uh, but I think he's going to try to put pressure on Zibera. Maybe he's going to like just jump in the gets in or, or, or Dars. Um, and even like for the decision, I, I feel like uh, Ricardo can do enough to uh, to win two rounds, the the two last rounds. Uh, so I have to go with uh, Ramos on this one. I like it. I like it. I I don't I don't blame you for that, especially as the underdog. 
He can yeah. definitely pull it off. Uh, I'm not sure what's keeping me from it, but hopefully here, uh, for me, he actually finishes it in the third round so I can still cash that plus 2,000 <laughs> ticket. That would be nice as well. Would be the best uh, scenario. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, you are saying you think he wins by decision, though? That's the method of victory you're saying? Um, I do feel the the submission uh, could be uh, could be there in the, in the second round or third round. Um, but, like, for sure, statistically, uh, I think the... Uh, the decision is always uh, uh, safe. Yeah, this yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah. Unless it's heavyweight. Uh, <laughs> Hamosh uh, plus five fifty to win by submission. If anybody is fancied by that prop, there. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. Uh, we got the prelim headliner between Amanda Hibas and Verna Jandiroba. A uh, very intri- interesting fight here. I actually have a bet on Verna Jandiroba as the underdog. Uh, intriguing fight because. You know, there's there's a lot of cases that you can make for Amanda Hibas. There's a couple of people that I respect that are on the Amanda Hibas side as well. But I, I have a sense that she's a little bit fraudulent in terms of her striking. Now, on the on on the surface, it looks like she has great striking, right? She can throw out there, go out there, throw proper combinations, kicks, all that type of stuff. She was able to touch up Miranda Marcos. She was able to touch up uh, uh, Mackenzie Dern. Like she's able to beat those types of girls. But like she she took a decent step up in competition against Marina Rodriguez. She went 30 seconds standing with her in that second round and got knocked out. And that just even on the on the regional scene, she fought a girl named Poliana Vienna, who's in the UFC right now, mainly a jiu-jitsu girl. But these girls went to war trying to knock each other out. And Hibas took a quick nap in that fight when Poliana Vienna was able to land on her there. Um, not saying Vertigandaroba is gonna go out there and knock her out, but I think she strikes with enough power to kind of push uh, Hibas back. And then I think that we'll be able to see her drag this fight to the ground where I think she's going to have the much higher level of jiu-jitsu here. And I think she'll be able to implement that. Now, a lot of people are going to look at that uh, Mackenzie Dern fight for Jer- Verna Jandiroba and saying, oh, she lost to Mackenzie. Why do you think she's going to beat Hibas, who obviously beat Mackenzie herself? Uh, in that fight, I thought we saw a very uncharacteristic of Verna Jandiroba. We only saw her shoot one takedown, which she completed. And she was, ended up spending about 40 seconds on top of Dern near the ending of that second round. But there were multiple opportunities throughout the fight for her to take that top position against Mackenzie Dern. But she just decided to let her stand up, get back to the feet, thinking that she'd be able to outstrike her on the feet. And that just did not work out for her that night. But when you watch Verna Jandiroba fights, she spams takedowns. She's trying to get you to the ground. She's trying to use her jiu-jitsu. She's trying to choke you out or control you. And I think she's going to trust her jiu-jitsu here. Something that I didn't think she did against Mackenzie Dern. I think she's going to trust her jiu-jitsu here against uh, Amanda Hibas, be able to land those takedowns, which don't seem to come that hard, unless your name is Mackenzie Dern, who went 0 of 6 on takedown attempts against uh, uh, Amanda Hibas in that fight. But literally the first takedown attempt that Randa Marcos threw at uh, Amanda Hibas, she was able to complete there. So I do think that Verna will be able to drag this fight to the ground. I don't know if she'll submit her. I think she she's going to grind her out. I don't think that Hibas is a complete slouch in the jiu-jitsu realm, but I do think that we'll see Verna uh, grind her out and win a decision in this spot. Again, I'm not a big Amanda Hibas believer. I did fade her at the beginning of the year against Marina Rodriguez. No idea why the odds makers made the KO prop for Mc- uh, Marina Rodriguez plus 1,300 that night. Had to take a shot on that. That worked out. And then even her as an underdog at plus 250 was happy to catch that as well. Now, here I am at the ending of the year once again, fading Amanda Hibas at plus money. Hopefully, I can make it two for two this year. Are you Are you familiar with any of these women? Or what, what do you take from what I would just kind of throw out there for you? Yeah, if uh, I didn't watch uh, both of them, but uh, uh, without watching anything, I, I was uh, favoring uh, Ribas. Uh, uh, maybe you changed my mind. Um, 
I feel uh, Verna, it's a little bit small for the category. Um, I, th I thought that was the case too, but they're actually not that, uh, they're not that different in, in size. I'm just going to pull it up here. I, I swear they're both 5'4". Uh, Topology has uh, Amanda Kibas is 5'3". Werner yeah. Drandiroba is 5'3". So they're, they're the same height, literally the same height. That's what I thought at first too. But then when I saw the statistics, I was like, oh, they're the same size. This shouldn't be too hard for Werner to drag this to the ground. Hmm. I'm hmm. telling you, Ollie. I'm telling you. Yeah, maybe I'm going to go with you on this one. I know you have some other handicapping buddies that you uh, you talk to as well. You can consult with them. I'm pretty sure that they're going to tell you the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a pretty tax, like a, a beautiful tax that comes on certain fighters when fighters are just, when they're kind of attractive, people just want to bet on them. And that's what I feel like is happening with Amanda Hibas. <laughs> oh, come on. Oh. I'm honest. I'm honest. <laughs> come on, Ali. <laughs> All right, I'm, um, I'm going Jandaroba, and I think I convinced Ollie to go with Jandaroba. Yeah, well. I think I'm going to go with uh, <laughs> ah, the... To, yep. All right, let's go to the uh, the main card here. We got Magomed Ankalaev going up against Volkan Uzdemir, another heavy chalk spot, obviously, for uh, Magomed Ankalaev. He's sitting at minus 290, plus 260 is the turn on Volkan Uzdemir. I truly think that uh, Magomed Ankalaev is the uncrowned 205-pound champion. I think that guy is the goods. He has great striking, good uh, takedowns as well. Um, he can knock you out. He hasn't submitted anybody yet, but I think it's just a matter of time until he does so. But uh, I think he's pretty good everywhere. His only blemish on his record was that last second tap out to Paul Craig. That was wait, wait, no. Paul Craig is the uncrowned king. Come on. Uh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Screw you. <laughs> Dude, 13 <laughs> seconds left in that fight, and he throws up the triangle and gets it within 13 seconds. Exactly. That's like, who insane. does that? Who does insane. that? Like, just a king does that. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was, like, the, the one of the biggest mistakes Magomed's ever made because I think if he won that fight, he probably either would have fought for a title by now or have been champion by now because that did set him back a little bit. But uh, I think he is the truth. I know Volkan Uzdemir, pretty stiff level of competition. I will say this, out of all the heavy favorites for the Russian fighters, Volkan Uzdemir is probably the toughest level of uh, opponent that these Can Russian you continue telling what you're saying? And I'm going to yep. tell you after, but I have to get some uh, my uh, for my phone because I don't have battery anymore. Oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Go for it. Go for it. Go for it. No worries. No worries. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I do, I do like the Uncle Live side here, but I've heard the argument that, you know, uh, Volkan Uzdemir could potentially win this just based on volume, right? There are times that Ankalaive is a little bit reserved and a little bit too patient and disciplined with his striking, and that could potentially put him behind on scorecards if he's not able to get a knockdown, a knockout, or at least have something significant enough happening within that round to uh, to 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 get the judges to score in his favor. However, I do think he's going to be able to land the takedowns here against uh, Uzdemir, and I think he'll be able to smash him from on top. Uh, does he finish him? I'm not 100% sure. You know, Volkan did get knocked out by Yuri Prohaska in his last fight. Uh, but I think outside of that, he's quite durable. My question marks is, how good has he kind of made his jiu-jitsu? Because this is a guy that got, you know, submitted by probably like the the most amateur submission you can in the in Bellator, which is like a neck crank. It was like, I believe it was one of those can opener neck cranks that he submitted him with as well, which is Ooh, a big red flag. Uzdemir, yeah, he lost oh, to Kelly Anunson in Bellator way before he made it to the UFC. It's it's been a long time. I think maybe seven or eight years at this point in time. And then obviously he got submitted by Daniel Cormier uh, as well. But again, 
it's Daniel Cormier, so we'll cut him some slack there. Uh, I like uh, Uncle Ive here by decision, but I am going to sprinkle a little bit of, bit of that Uncle Ive by submission, which is at plus 2,600, because if he does get this fight to the mat, I think it's going to be one-way traffic. How, you know anything about Uncle Ive? What's your What's your thoughts on that kid? Yeah, that so how I see that fight, it's... Uh... Uh, I I do think uh, Aikalev is gonna win the the uh, is gonna win the fight. I feel Özdemir a lot of time when he uh, get pre uh, like when people put pressure and hit him or do a lot of fights, he kind of put his uh, his chin up. And I do feel too that when he attacked, he is a little bit open too. Uh, we know that uh, Magomed have a, re a really good check hook uh, when people came in. Yeah, so I think that could that could be really really dangerous, and he put a lot of pressure. So I think uh, Volkan's gonna be like under pressure, and he's gonna be uncomfortable. And like you said, on the ground, I do think uh, Ankalaev is better. Uh, I actually think is is uh, a lot better. I, I, unless like Volkan really got better against the cage, uh, I feel it's gonna be pretty easy to take him down. Um, so yeah, for for me. Uh, I'm going with uh, Magomed. I think I have no choice. Uh, like you said, I, I do think it's the best in the in the category category uh, right now. So, um, unfortunately for uh, for Volkan, which is a really nice guy, uh, I have to go with uh, Magomed. I like it. I I would not be doing my job if I didn't uh, get this comment from XND287. Volkan Uzmir's white coat looked a little rough. Uh, I do agree. Mm -hmm. He was the second last guy on the scale, and there's literally like five minutes left within the, the time frame that they could weigh in as well. So uh, he, luckily, he did make the weight. He looked very relieved when he made the weight. He looked a little... You know, he didn't look too optimistic when he was going to the scale, but once he made the weight, obviously he was very happy. So, uh, yeah, it didn't seem like he had the best weight cut. We'll see how it translates into the cage tomorrow night or tomorrow morning, I should say. All right, let's move on to the next fight, a fight most people are looking forward to. Hamzat Shumayev versus Li Jingliang. In terms of odds, we're obviously looking at heavy chalk here for Shumayev, minus 575 for him, plus 485 to return on Li Jingliang. And now I want to start this off pretty much by saying Shumayev almost missed weight. He he came in right at the ending of the weigh-in uh, time, missed weight by a half a pound. Then he got the extra hour allowance, and he was able to cut that extra half pound. So uh, when you have a guy you know, just miss weight by half a pound and then come back and make the weight. What do you make of that? What, what do you, what do you, what do you think is going on there? I thought he did the DC. He didn't do the yeah, DC. He did. He did. He did. He did. <laughs> well, he's touching the towel. Yeah. I thought he was 166. <laughs> no, I don't know what happened with that. I didn't see that. Cause that was, no, he did the DC. Was like, he was like this. And he was like, yo, 166. How is that possible? <laughs> the guy, the guy is trying to get away with it. He almost did. Yeah. Yeah. Almost. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I think um, um, I think it's tough uh, to know. Uh, like it, it could really be like a red flag. Uh, like we mm -hmm. talked a little bit earlier, he didn't fight for a long time. He had like a really bad COVID. Uh, uh, to like the, the point, he retired. Right? Like he, yeah, he was so some... bad. Like he said, his lungs really got messed up, and you know he retired. There was some rumor about cancer and everything yeah. too. And, so it's like it's tough to know the what really happened, like how bad it was. Uh, there's a lot of mystery behind that. Uh, when we saw him uh, this week, he, like he looked fine. He, uh, he looked like uh, the his whole self, but it's really hard to know if if it's really gonna be him again. 
uh, especially like with uh, against uh, like a really uh, dirty fighter like Lee. <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be hard to say, but like you said, he he had a lot of trouble doing weight, and it it could be like a, a red flag, and he had to come back. I, I don't think it's like it's too we we can't take that like for too much. I mean, it's just thirty more minutes. It's not like he tried to lose a point five for four hours. Yeah. Uh, so, um, but it's kind of worrying to see that he really had trouble making a one seventy. Uh, I won't lie. And um, yeah, that's it. I think uh, I don't know what you think about the fight. Um, but personally, with those odds, uh, I wouldn't push any of them because I do think like the old Shimaev would like really kill like kill them you know take him down and pound him and that's it yeah. uh we we saw uh jinglan having trouble with against matthew uh, on the ground and matthew yeah. is not like the highest ground game or the better the best uh wrestler either yeah. and uh, uh even on the stand-up i think you know what like jinglan is is crazy uh, he, he hit hard he is uh, unpredictable but uh other than that i, I do think uh Shmaev is better everywhere like a really better everywhere i do think he's gonna take him down i do think he's gonna try to take him down um but again i i won't bet on one minus uh, one 500 yeah, uh, on a guy that uh thought he was going to never fight again you know that that's where my concern as well right like i know it's it's reading into it maybe a little bit too much but that that is a little bit too much for me to put minus 500 on the guy who you know everybody thinks that he's the next coming of christ everybody thinks he's like the next best thing but let's pump our brakes a little bit he's uh, been in the cage for how long against what level of competition right it, it, you got to take it with a little grain of salt and again Jing Liang is a very durable tough opponent and even though yes he can be taken down let's see if he'll be able to survive on the ground and if this does get stretched into the second and third rounds we'll get to see what um <clears throat> Hamzat Shmaev's uh, gas tank looks like, especially if there's any lingering effects of the COVID thing as well. The only bet that I made, again, another degenerate little sprinkle for me, uh, $25 I put at minus, or sorry, at plus 3,600 for Li Jing Liang to win in round three, just in case Hamzat Shmaev <laughs> has cardio issues. Just in case. It's $25 to win 900 I'm taking the chance. <laughs> I'm taking the chance just to see what happens. But my prediction is going to be Shmaev takes him down. Shmaev does what Shmaev does, gets him out of mm -hmm. there in the first round. I think if you're betting this fight and you do like Shmaev, the under one and a half is probably the best way to go, which is roughly around minus 110 because uh, he's going to more than likely get it done in the first round if that's what you believe. Uh, but if he does get stretched here, because I really want to see him go out there and fight a hard three rounds before I'm like completely sold on this guy because I'm sure yeah. you've seen it plenty of times before where guys are just absolutely wrecking guys, just not them out submitting them really quickly but then when they get pushed into the second and third rounds it doesn't look so hot anymore it doesn't look so good anymore you can get away with that stuff on the regional scene but once you start getting into the big leagues and start finding legitimate competition it's not going to cut it anymore so uh yeah i, I like shamayev i think he gets it done early but just for insurance i did play uh lee jing leong round three this is also another spot you could bet live as well in case lee does survive that first round well it'll be interesting to see how it works in the second and third round again lee 
uh, can be taken down, but when he is in his groove and has his confidence, is able to march down his opponents, stalk them almost, really throw some big, big shots, and has some big knockout power. Just ask Santiago Ponzinibbio, who's probably still napping in the cage over there in Fight Island. But I do like what uh, what uh, Lee brings to the table here. I just think that Shmaev is going to be a little bit too much. So I'm going Shmaev, first round finish. Uh, any further thoughts on this matchup, or do you want to move along? Yeah, let's move on. Uh, by the way, it's going to be a good, like you said, it's one of, one of, the, of the best fight uh, on the card. Uh, I really like both uh, both fighters, though. Uh, I like it. Yeah. Let's move on. All right, let's get to uh, the heavyweights here. We got Alexander Volkov going up against Marcin Tybura. In terms of odds, we are looking at uh, minus 280 here for Volkov, plus 255 the return on Marcin Tybura. Now, Tybura's on a five-fight winning streak, but in his last three fights, the guy keeps getting rocked, keeps getting hurt, but he is lucky that the level of competition that he's going up against Greg Hardy, he's able to take him down and really do work from on top and save himself from getting knocked out. Unfortunately, he has a mammoth of a man ahead of him here in Alexander Volkov, who over the last couple of fights has really put some, you know, call it muscle, call it fat, call it weight. The guy's really filled out that that big frame that he has standing at, I believe, six foot seven that he's currently at. Big, big dude. Uh, very good striking as well. He's been able to knock out a bunch of opponents on his record. Um, I have slight ptsd every now and then when i do about volkov because i have him <laughs> against uh black beast and you know obviously black beast knocked him out with 13 seconds left there good god that one still hurts you know i'm counting my money thinking that this guy this guy has it in the bag but uh black beast doing what black beast does but i did cash on volkov a couple more times after that against walt harris and then i believe i'll be able to cash on him this weekend here against tybora because my main play i have five units i have a thousand dollars on albert derive parlayed with alexander volkov at minus 122 I think those are two the two of the most uh, safest Russians on the card here who should be able to not deal with too much resistance. Uh, again, for Tybura to be successful, during this five-fight run, he for him to be successful, he's had a full MMA game. He mixes his striking with his takedowns, and he kind of just puts these guys to the grinder. But I think he's going to have a lot of... Uh, resistance to deal with in terms of Volkov and trying to take this guy down and not just trying to take him down, but trying to hold him down. I think he's going to very much struggle with that. And then I think that we'll see Volkov pick him apart on the feet and probably knock him out by the second round. So uh, in terms of a prop Volkov by knockout at plus plus one thirty five, I think is a bit of a steal at this point in time. So uh, yeah, I like Volkov here. Uh, what are your thoughts on this fight? Yeah, uh, a little bit like you. Uh, actually, I have uh, two money line bets on this uh, on this card, and uh, Volkov is one of them. Even though the odds are not great, but I truly don't see uh, Tibura beating him. I, I I really don't know how it that could happen. But again, I do have PTSD, like you, <laughs> like you do. <laughs> Did you have money on him too against Black Beast? Yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> fuck man. Look, I had money on him against Black Beast and I had money on Overream against uh well, uh, well strike. Like, yes. <laughs> oh that hurts. That hurts so much. So yeah, I, I still have a little bit of PTSD, but I, I really think Volkov is so much better, so yeah. much better than uh, Tibura. So uh, I have to bet him uh, on this one. I do actually want to quickly get your thoughts on this or or, or know a little bit about this from you. Uh, how did you get into the betting side of things and how long have you been doing, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, how did that do? I think it's one of my friends who, who started betting on uh, those fights. And 
I got interested in it and uh, I like kind of start uh, going on Twitter to see if there was any capper, you know, um, and there was a lot. And I actually the like the Twitter uh, uh, MMA bet. It's uh, it's pretty good. It's it's really fun. Uh, there was like a, a civil war too. Uh, I think like maybe like some some months ago <laughs> with with. Who? The, with I think uh, what the, what's the, this name the, this guy name uh, Fury um, Fury Luca Fury yeah <laughs> when he came back it was the best thing ever on Twitter like I'm telling you I was like so entertained it was the best thing um, so yeah I got interested like this and I, I actually at some point I was like looking every fight uh, to make bets but it was like taking too much of my time but at the same time i, I was feeling that I, I was getting uh, i was getting better as a fighter because i was watching uh like specifically what uh, other fighters were doing what they were doing good what they were doing wrong so i do think it, it helped me uh, as a fighter to uh, to do that and um uh, so that that's how I, I got in the in the embedding you know uh like you said it changed and helped you as a fighter so do you mean like did you start watching more tape did you not used to watch film on fighters like how what, what do you mean by that like you didn't used to watch film on these guys you left it up to the coaches how did that work no but it's more like i, I was still uh, watching my opponent you know when i was uh, fighting um but when you watch uh uh some other like some other people from other category or even like other people in your category that you are not fighting and you specifically look at the move that they are doing the mistake that they are doing everything changed uh you know i took so many things from other fighters since uh, uh since i start uh, uh, uh like betting uh, like a good example it's in my last fight <clears throat> i did a, a takedown uh, with the body lock with my uh, my uh, my leg inside I, I watched this um, this guy in Bellator do that to um, uh, what was the name of the the last champion in Bellator at 170? Um, Andre Kreshkov, Diego Lima. Yeah, Andre Kreshkov. He did that to um, the guy who Diego beat uh, Rory. Who to who? Uh, Diego Lima. Yeah, exactly. He did that yeah. to uh, to Diego Lima. I think five times in the in the fight, and I really like look at this technique a lot how he was doing it and everything and i i, I did it i did it last last fight and i, I think i did it on against morrison l too uh, so you know what you look at those fights not for the entertainment but you do it you look at it for the technique for the uh, to see the all in some uh, some 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 fire uh, games and what what are their uh, strength you know so i think it's it's really really good for uh, for fighters to do that like i said it's kind of hard to look at everything uh, so i think you you saw in the beginning of the of the show that i didn't really look all the fighters uh, on the on the lowest strat but um uh, like for me the main event is, i think it's really really nice to uh, to watch them or to watch uh, up and comer too you know really good up and comer uh, like Habib, I, I mean, time I look uh, his fights, Makachev, same thing, you know. Um, yeah. So it's uh, I think it's really good for any uh, fighters to do that. 
Yeah, shout out to my guy, Hype MMA here. Yes, I meant Douglas Lima, not Diego Lima. Diego Lima is his brother that's in the UFC. I apologize for that. All right, let's move on to the next fight. We both agree on Volkov here. He should go out there and steamroll Marcin Tybura, hopefully for both of us, even though we're eating some chalk there. It's all right, because you should go out there and do some work. All right, uh, next up, we got Islam Mahachev going up against Dan Hooker. Obviously, big uh, uh, big odds here on Mahachev. He's sitting around <laughs> minus 600, plus 450 is the return on Daniel Hooker. Uh, I'll actually let you kick this one off. I feel like you're familiar with, with these guys here. What, what do you think about this matchup? Yeah, I do think Mahachev gonna, is going to win, but I have to uh, to put 0.5 uh, unit on uh, Dan Hooker. Um, I mean... What plus five hundred? Like, yeah. <laughs> I think that's that's just crazy. Especially when we know that Dan Hooker is like really dangerous uh, with his knee. Uh, he's really dangerous with his guillotine, and he's d- dangerous on the feet. Uh, and Islam never fought anybody like him. And, you know, he's a big step up in the in the uh, in the, in competition. competition. Yeah. yeah, and uh, I mean, the Sanos was a. Uh, lesser uh, favorite uh, lesser underdog yeah. than than uh, than Oker. so i do like i don't have a lot of faith but i do think there's a little bit of value and uh, that's why i put 0.5 on on uh, on Oker. um and uh, you know what like i said it's a kind of a hard uh, uh card to bet on so i decided to bet on this one just to have a little bit fun you know I will say this. I, I think we're in agreement that Mahachev more than likely wins this fight. That's probably what's going to happen. He'll probably take him down. I, I don't think he'll be able to submit Hooker, but I do think that we're slowly starting to get this confidence from Mahachev where he's been able to submit a high-level BJJ black belt in his last fight in Tiago Moises. Like, there's that confidence level brewing with him. But with this being a three-round fight, I, I, I find it hard that he'll be able to take out Hooker, who is very, very durable, very, very tough mm-hmm. to put away as well. I will say this, though. If you are looking at the Hooker side, taking that money line is is great and all but i feel as though like you're leaving a little bit of money on the table if you just don't take him by knockout which is currently sitting Mm. at like plus 950 so like that that's probably his only way to win the fight right i doubt he chokes him out i doubt he wins the decision right i feel like if you're gonna bet on a hooker you might as well take that ko prop no and uh, how much is it uh, um inside the distance for hooker inside the distance for hooker is currently sitting at uh plus 650 yeah, fuck. What the shot? Shout out Bet99. <laughs> yeah, See, I did the plug for you, Oi, Ollie. I Thank did the you. plug for you. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the co-main event here. We're both on Mahachev, but uh, Ollie did sprinkle a little bit on Hooker just because the odds are crazy. I completely understand that. Co-main event time, and probably the fight that a lot of people are looking forward to hearing your thoughts on. We got Purion minus 200 going up against Corey Sandhagen, plus 185 for him. Uh, I'll give my spiel first, and then I'll actually, you know what? No, I'll let you break this one down first if you uh, if you want to do so, please. Who do you like here, Jan or Corey Sandhagen? Yeah, um, I really like uh, Porkian. Uh, I really like his technique. I think he's a really smart, smart fighter. Uh, I do think he start a little bit slowly. Uh, it's not, um, but at the same time, you know what? It's so technical that I understand that he's trying to get the feeling of the fight, uh, to get the feeling of the opponent, to see a little thing maybe that you cannot see on video. Uh, they want you want to see it uh, first uh, in front of him, and um, so I do think in the first two rounds is going to be a little bit stressful. Um, 
I mean, uh, he got a little bit touch uh, on the feet, especially in the in the first round. He have trouble a little bit with leg kicks, but uh, I do think Peter Yan is a is a better fighter, and I do think that if he tried to uh, to take the 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 fight down, he's gonna look like Habib. You know, he's gonna he's gonna look like like super good. Um, so I won't touch the the fight. Uh, I think the odds are a little bit uh, again uh, hard to bet on anybody. Uh, but I do think uh, Pertan's gonna win this fight. Uh, but uh, it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be a tough uh, tough ride. Yeah, I think honestly, stylistically speaking, I think this is the toughest test for a Purion in the UFC at this mm -hmm. point in time. Like again, you can say what you want about Corey Sandigan losing to TJ Dillashaw, losing to Aljamain Sterling, completely different stylistical matchup here. Unless, of course, like Ollie said, uh Purion goes out there in his wrestling singlet and just takes him down every single round and just fucks him up on the ground. That is absolutely possible. But that's not pretty much that's not really how he fights right when he watches fights historically speaking he wants to kind of figure you out on the feet and then eventually start putting the pressure on you and really start to you know put the beating on you and mm -hmm. he's been successful and obviously doing that in the majority of his fights his only loss he's managed to avenge against magomed magomedov uh but he's looked you know damn good obviously in the ufc my qualms though is like there are the small things in these fights that i feel like if we kind of look a little bit deeper you'll be able to see that there are some flaws that pure Jan has and most importantly it's one of those flaws that i think it's when he has output being put on him he gets caught staring a little bit too much like he gets a little bit too patient and kind of lets the round slip away from him i thought aljamain sterling had the perfect game plan in terms of just spamming him with the output trying to keep him busy just trying to keep him thinking about something and it was enough to at least get the the judges to see it in in his favor i believe it was just that second round but you see it time and time again the jimmy rivera fight you see it in the jose aldo fight when there's volume being thrown against pierre Yan, he he gets caught uh, he gets caught watching too much that's my issue with him now you got a guy who has the perfect tools to implement that type of game plan Aljamain Sterling did not have the gas tank to go a full 25 minutes doing that thing and that's where we saw Pierre Young really start to put it on him in the third and fourth round and obviously we know what happened in that in that that fourth round there um Jose Aldo, same thing. It had a really good second round there, but then really start to fall apart. Like 2017 and onward, Jose Aldo, he's never been that good in rounds three, four, and five. Like his cardio falls off really hard. Could be USADA, could be whatever the hell else, right? But Jose Aldo from WEC days was no longer Jose Aldo in the UFC, at least not the latter half of his career. But now with Corey Sandhagen, I feel as though we got a guy here that can go a hard 25 minutes if he needs to with that style of just putting the output out there and kind of keeping purity on thinking. Again, this is all predicated on Purion not shooting takedowns or not shooting takedowns to the level of a, a Khabib, right? Continuously trying to take him down and trying to pound him out. If this fight stays a kickboxing fight for 25 minutes, I think we could see Corey Sanigan squeak it out on the judges' scorecards just based off of output. One interesting statistic I came across was, uh, shout out to my guy, MMA by the numbers, uh, Corey Sanigan attempts 16.24 distance strikes per minute. Per minute! The guy throws 16 strikes out there, and that's more than enough, in my opinion, that it should be able to keep Pierre Young kind of busy, and, and or not busy, but like just watching the entire time. So I, I do like Corey here. I did take a shot on him at plus 205. I think the odds are a little bit too wide. I do think they should be closer. And I will say this, though. This will probably be the only time I ever fade Purion. I am a big Purion fan. I think the guy's an absolute beast. But there's this narrative out there that he just comes on strong later in fights. I, I, I see slightly through that because the last two guys that he came on late against 
were guys that had cardio issues. Jose Aldo, Aljamain mm-hmm. Sterling. Corey Sandingen doesn't have those issues. So I think that if he's able to go out there, do what he does on the outside, stay away from the takedowns, and just kind of keep putting that pressure on him, it's going to – the judges will start to see it for Corey Sandhagen. So I do think he has way more of a chance than people are giving him credit for. I'm getting torched up in the comment section right now for even trying to make this point about Corey Sandhagen. But I don't give a fook. I don't give a fook because I do the tape. Go ahead. Yeah, you make a good point, though. He, he – he let he let some run uh, go away, you know, um, like you said, and that's one of the reason why uh, I, I'm kind of scared for uh, for Perkin for this fight. But um, uh, and to be fair too, like we rarely see him do like uh, aggressive wrestling. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like he he don't push the wrestling when when he takes some somebody down, it's because he have the perfect opportunity to do it. Uh, and that's why we we see him like when he tried to take someone out, uh, someone down. It's it's just like perfect, you know. Yeah. Um, but the other thing too, it's San Egan. He gave up his back a lot. Uh, that's the issue, right? That that's yeah. that's that's where I think that Piotr Jan will look like a minus two fifty, mm-hmm. minus three hundred. That's how he does it. If he tries to go out there and strike with him for twenty five minutes, it's going to be a lot closer than him being a minus two fifty favorite, in my opinion. But again, I, I'm. I, I can't discredit the fact that he's going to go out there and shoot takedowns. He'd be stupid not to, right? He's training down there at American Top Team. You got to believe those coaches know that flaw in Corey Sandhagen's game. Now it's just on Corey to have hopefully done enough to try to shore up those mistakes because his jiu-jitsu isn't horrible, but it's just he doesn't really, you know, his takedown defense is just bad. That's that's the issue. Mm-hmm. He can get taken down. And then, like, I, I think there's a little bit of skewing going on in terms, in terms of the Aljamain Sterling fight because, you know, people can shit on, on him all they want because of the, the way he won the title and all that stuff. But that guy's a good jiu-jitsu artist. He's very mm-hmm. tough to deal with on the ground, right? Very tough to deal with on the ground. It has good pressure, obviously a really good back take, and was able to get that submission against Corey Sandhagen. And he really worked for that choke as well, right? Like Sandhagen was fighting for it a lot, but it was just the power, the grip, and the squeeze of uh, Aljo that really got uh, him that victory in that fight. But again, so many ways I see this fight going down, but like it seems like the masses just think that Jan's just going to walk him down and knock him the fuck out. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. And I, you got to give Sandhagen a little bit more credit than that. So, uh, yeah, I got a little bit of money on Corey Sandhagen at plus 205. I think the line is a little bit whack, uh, but the fan in me wants Piotr Jan to win. I want him to go on and be like the greatest bantamweight of all time. Like I want him to go out there and keep murky motherfuckers. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, any further thoughts on this matchup or do you want to move on to the main event, brother? Yeah, let's go to the main event. But anyway, like the last fight was the main event, but let's exactly. go to the main event. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is the feel-good main event. This one coming yeah. up. Everybody wants to see these guys go out there, have a good fight, shake hands, and hopefully uh, one guy one guy beat the victor. Uh, and what I mean by that is I hope Glover Teixeira wins a belt in 2021. We got Glover Teixeira going up against Jan Blahovic. This is going to be Glover's second attempt at taking that 205-pound strap, but luckily enough, this time it's not John Jones across the cage from him. You got Jan Blahovic, who has a career resurgency over the last couple of, uh, last couple of years, which has obviously brought him to the title shot, wins the title, and even defends it against Israel Adesanya. Not a lot of people thought he was going to be able to win that fight, mm-hmm. but he was able to pull off the uh, the upset there as a I think a plus two hundred ish underdog in that fight. A lot of disrespect on Blahovic's name, and even pretty much in every single fight that he's had, like. You know, since this run, the Corey Anderson fight used the underdog, the Dominic Reyes fight used the underdog, uh, obviously the Israel Adesanya fight the underdog. Now here he is finally as a solid favorite over Glover Teixeira, who 
even himself, he's been the underdog on his rise to the title shot here, which has been hilarious. So in terms of odds, we're looking at minus 265 for Blahovic, plus 255-ish or plus 245, sorry, for Glover Teixeira. I don't want anything to do with this fight because I just want to cheer to cheer for Glover Teixeira because... You know, if he gets it done, the way he gets it done is takedowns and crushing top pressure, right? Even at his prime age of 42 years old, happy belated birthday. I believe his birthday was yesterday. Uh, his jiu-jitsu is still top-notch, top-level. Like, he, he can hold guys down. He can transition from one position to another pretty fluidly. Um, like, his his back takes still high-level. Watch the Iwan Kutalaba fight. You definitely see it in that fight quite a lot. Um, but I think that's his way to win the fight. It's just his chin that's a little bit iffy, right? He keeps getting rocked in all these fights, but luckily for him, he's going up against an Anthony Smith who was sucking wind late in that fight. He's going up against Tiago Santos who was coming back from reconstructive knee surgery and had horrible gas tank issues in that fight too, and he's able to take these guys down and then do work from on top. Here with Blahovich, though, he's going to get a guy that's, you know, five rounds he can go, has good power in his hands. Uh, I believe he's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu brown belt, which should hopefully keep him out of crazy trouble on the ground here against Glover, but I could definitely see instances where Glover is able to control him from that top position. Maybe not get a submission, but at least control him from that top position. The way that I see it going down, though, at a certain point, Blahovich is going to be able to land that Polish power on that chin of Glover to share. To share is not going to be able to keep on to it. He might shoot for a dis desperation takedown, but unfortunately for him, it's not Anthony Smith. It's not Tiago Santos. It's Jan Blahovic. He'll likely stuff those takedowns whenever he has to share a rock, and he should be able to put it on him and get him out of there. So I got Blahovic probably second, maybe third round TKO here. Uh, but the fan in me, Ali, and I'm sure you too, is cheering for Glover to share to death. How do you see this one going down, and who do you think ends up winning? Yeah, it's the same thing as you. It's I mean, I see Jan winning this fight. Um I mean, Glover, have a, like you said, a really good uh, ground game. And, uh, dude, his ground and pound is really high level. Is uh, like really high level ground and pound. He's staying busy, especially for this category. It's is he, really, really good on the on the ground. Uh, with that being said, I think it's going to be really hard for him. Whoa. What Apologies. <laughs> but uh, I think he's mad at me. Eh? <laughs> My wife's home, so he's. Uh... But uh, yeah, I, I I do think um, it's gonna be hard to take uh, Yan down, and I do see to the our I do see Yan kind of uh, test that uh, that shin uh, of Glover. So uh, yeah, for sure Glover is like a little bit the Rocky Balboa of, uh, of MMA right now. Uh, so it would be like a really really nice story to see him win. Um, he may have a, a like a bigger heart than uh, than Yan. Uh, but other than that, uh, I see Jan better than uh, uh, everywhere. Uh, so even I, I like I said, I don't see I don't see Glover taking him down, and I can't see Jan taking him down and uh, just lay on uh, on top of him. Uh, so I, yeah, I, I do a little bit like you. I do see uh, Jan winning by uh, TKO or KO, uh, like in the second or third round. Yeah, uh, the interesting part is everybody keeps talking about how old Glover is at 42 years old. Blahovic is 38. He's not, you know, a young spry chicken himself either, but he is definitely having his career best performances at this uh, old age of 37, 38 years old. Uh, mm -hmm. But yeah, I, it looks like me and Ollie are going to be on the Blahovic side here. I just can't bring myself to bet against Glover to share at this point in time. I doubt you'll be doing the same, right? Yeah. 
Perfect. All right. Um, that's pretty much a wrap on the breakdowns here. We will leave you guys with our lock of the night play or our most confident bet on the card. Personally, for me, I'm going with Albert Derive plus Alexander, Volk- uh, Alexander Volkov. Uh, parlayed minus twenty minus one twenty two. Uh, that's what I got it at. Uh, Ali, what's your what's your biggest bet on the card? What, what do you like the most? Uh, yeah, I like uh, Volkov. I think that's uh, uh, it's. Uh, I don't like to say it's my uh, biggest bet because of the odds. Uh, they are pretty bad. But uh, like I said, it's really a hard uh, card to bet. I find uh, so. I, I I won't say Dan Oker is the, my, my safest bet. <laughs> How dare you? You're going to lose people a ton of money <laughs> trying to say that shit. Um, I, I do want to leave you on this. Uh, what, what, are you, what are you doing, if anything at all, at this point in time? What are you doing in the meantime between now and the start of the next PFL season? What's, what's, what's Ollie's life going to be like for the next couple months? Um, I don't know, to tell you the truth um i think i'm gonna i'm gonna train uh i'm gonna train a lot but uh, differently maybe to uh, just to get better uh i want to improve my uh, uh my cardio too so i think that's gonna be my two main goal uh, during uh, this uh, five or six box layoff um uh, but yeah i i won't work i'm just gonna uh, gonna train i think um i know apps uh, like here in quebec uh, I may have some contract uh, for TV or TV show. Uh, for some reason, they like that I I, I say any everything that <laughs> passes into my mind. <laughs> Sorry, you say you're gonna be the next uh, Quebecois movie star? Is that what? No, I don't right think now? so. But more like the guy they they call to have a <laughs> to to have the show cancel or something. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't let them know that yet. Don't let them know yeah. that yet. <laughs> Get the money first, and then let them say what they want. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, no, for me, I'm just gonna train, and uh, you know what? Like uh, GSP, he, he took, he, he retired, but he's still training every day. So uh, it's it's always fun to uh, to have him uh, train with us, and uh, he he kind of slowly getting better and better as a as a uh, a coach. So it's uh, it's really getting interesting, and um, like he. GSP always try to to uh, to uh, improve, so we always uh, going everywhere to to get new technique and come back telling us the the new technique and everything. So it's uh, it's really interesting to uh, to have him uh, uh, a little bit uh, more at the gym and less uh, as a like a training camp. Um, so it's it's funny. He really he take time to uh, to help us. So uh, yeah, I think that's gonna be my next uh, five months or six months. Yeah, it's awesome seeing in the corner every now and then, like you just see him pop up out of nowhere, helping Faraz out or helping whoever else is fighting, right? Yeah. Uh, I do actually want to ask you a question about something you just said in terms of you want to work on your cardio. Uh, that's always a question that I'd like to ask my guests, like whether they're coaches or fighters, because like to me, it's just like, what, is he just going to go run more? Like what what, what does it entail? What, what is your approach in terms of trying to improve your cardio? What are things that you're looking to do or do you not know yet are you going to go out there and try to seek the some wisdom of somebody else um you know what like uh, when i was in the ufc i, I really thought uh, I, I had to go to the gym and push myself uh, to the max and uh, try to improve my cardio like this and uh my last two fights that's not what i did you know uh, i was doing a uh, conditioning but just for uh, uh, an injury prevention 
Um, and my cardio, I was doing it uh, in the gym and I was running. Uh, that's it. Uh, so I, I do think that I have to do a lot of wrestling and mix the wrestling with the pads. Uh, I think that's the where I really have a lot of trouble, you know, uh, to, to, to always like try to, to take the guy down and then do the, the stand up uh, uh, part is really, really hard. And I think uh, any uh, MMA fighter is going to be uh, uh, going to be uh, uh, going to tell the same thing. That's the hard, hard part. Uh, and I feel that my last two uh, fights, I did uh, really great in the training camp uh, to do that. We changed a little bit um, our training. Uh, our training. We, we we did a lot of uh, of cage wrestling and then small glove uh, fighting stand up, cage wrestling stand up, cage wrestling stand up. So we were switching a lot, and I, I felt my career a lot better. Uh, and I, I think I want to continue uh, in that part, and I want to to run a little bit too. Uh, I'm gonna try to uh, beat my uh, record uh, running. Uh, so uh, yeah, that's how that's how I'm gonna try to uh, to improve it. But I do think doing a lot of wrestling, uh, mixing with stand up is the is the key. All right, last question that I promised I'll let you get out of here. Uh, outside of H2O and TriStar, have you gone to other gyms? And whether it was just like a weekend that you spent or something like that, were there any other gyms where you actually sought out some training? Whether it was because of the training partner, the coaches, whatever it was, and if you could share your experience, that would be great too. Well, uh, you know, uh, during uh, COVID, I went to uh, the Danar Disc Squad. Uh, oh, yeah, in New York? Yeah, I went there for a month. Uh, I went in Antigua to uh, actually to train with a, a rich billionaire that uh, fly uh, flied us. Yeah, it was kind of weird. <laughs> All expenses paid. Yeah, yeah, wow. like private jet and everything was crazy. Um, Who'd you go with? Uh, I, I, in Antigua? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, was it just you by yourself or? No, it was me and uh, some jujitsu guy. Actually, the the guy who invited us, it's uh, like a, a pretty known uh, crypto guy uh, called Roger Bear. Uh, okay. So he, he he's a big fan of uh, jujitsu, so he needed some people to do jujitsu. Uh, so uh, so we went. Uh, but yeah, I, I did the the, the Danaro Discord. And here in Quebec, I train with anybody that wants to train with me. Um, so you know, I, I help uh, when Marc Andre was uh, Marc Andre was when he was here. I was training with him. Um, uh, if anybody wants to come in uh, in H two O, they are always welcome to uh, to come uh, train with me. Uh, so I'm I mean it's it's a small town and it, yeah. it's a, a small uh, world too. You know, it, there's not a lot of people doing MM in Quebec, so we have to help each other. Ironically, the only one that I never trained with it's um, uh, Charles Jourdain. Charles Jourdain is really pri uh, private, as you know. He, Interesting. He I thought he'd be searching because I know he used to be a pro star. I think was the name of yeah. his gym, right? Eric, yeah. Eric Bertrand, I think, was the guy that was running. Yeah, that gym. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, interesting. I thought he'd be going to like I know I believe there's Sherbatov MMA as well. Yanni Sherbatov, those guys. I'm not sure if they have their gym still. But that's like the only other gym I could think of. I would assume you guys are cross training as much as possible now, especially with you guys on the bigger stage, right? Yeah, but uh, you know, uh, but I mean, it it kind of works for him. But uh, no, I think uh, Charlie is uh, maybe one of the uh, the only fighters that don't really cross uh, train. Like he, he trained with uh, Fabio. Uh, like you said, he, he trained with Yoni. I, I don't know if he's going there anymore. Uh, I, I do know that he's still with Fabio, but. Uh, 
uh, we rarely see him uh, in uh, in any gym. Uh, but I, I mean, if you like it like this, it's uh, it's okay with like it's okay with anybody, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, we are we are kind of lucky here in Quebec that uh, everybody have a good uh, uh, like we are friendly, you know. So we all train together, and we understand that we have to help each other to to uh, to get to the level of the US guy or the Brazilian guy or the Russian guy uh, because we are like we are not a lot doing MMA actually for my last fight uh, I was fighting uh, uh, a softball uh, yeah. softball and I had nobody because of uh, really? like wow. like I had no softball like <laughs> my crazy. friend had to <laughs> to try to to be softball but, but it's because of covid you know it's a uh, yeah. Uh, there's not a lot of people coming to TriStar anymore. Uh, like I remember Andrew Sanchez they were... used to be up there, but he moved to AKA before his last fight as well. Yeah, exactly. Before there was like US coming in, uh, European coming in. Yeah. Now it's there's not a lot of people, and uh, like I really had no uh, softball. <laughs> That's crazy. So, it yeah, still worked out not, for you though. It still yeah, worked out. It still worked out for me. And uh, you know, some of my friend Nick Spau, he, he played softball, but it was the first time doing it. <laughs> that is hilarious. But again, yeah. and luckily you were still able to go able to go out there and get the win. Uh, Ollie, I could do this for three hours if I if I could, man, but I don't want to keep you waiting too much longer here. So I do greatly appreciate you taking the time here on a Friday night to join us and give your thoughts on the fights this weekend. Obviously, we had a close to peaked at about 200 live viewers uh that wanted to watch and, and get your thoughts on it as well, too. Uh anything Anything you want to say on the back end here and then i'll let you go brother uh well i have to say one thing yeah, <laughs> <I have> a, <laughs> uh, firstly thank you for inviting me but i have a, a sponsor that i need to plug uh bet 99 uh that's it that's it i <laughs> that's all you have to say come on promo code gangster but i i do think it's really funny that i'm like oh, i don't even know my my own uh, promo code, but uh, go to bet 99. But uh, no, for real, uh, tomorrow, I, I, no, I don't have a boosted ad this uh, this time. Sorry, guys, but <laughs> normally um, they, they give me boosted ads that I, I tell them to uh, to uh, to do. Uh, so let's say uh, this week, uh, add um, uh, Abigail uh, at two, yeah, plus 290. Uh, so it was <laughs> pretty good money, and I had um, um, recouper. I don't know. Yeah, recouper. No, it was a Wade. I I choose Wade instead. Ah. Uh, yeah, uh, but Abigail was plus two hundred fifty uh, ninety. So if you want boosted odds, you can come follow me or just uh, go on Bet ninety nine. Uh, again, thank you so much for having me, and no it was worries, a really uh, nice time. Fuck, it's kind of an hour and 40, eh? I know, I know. It goes by quickly, but I have so much goddamn fun with my guests, and you're no exception to that. I love uh, talking to you as well. But next time, we'll be a little bit more prepared. We'll get some boosted odds. We'll make it your lock of the night play, and we'll uh, give you the, the promo code, reference code, all that type of stuff, and hopefully we can put a little extra cash in all these pockets as well while he's dropping this knowledge on us. Uh, Ollie, honestly, I really appreciate you coming on, brother. Uh, we'll try to line something up in the next couple months as well to get you back on here and, and break down some more fights with us it seems like everybody's been enjoying it uh but for now good luck in improving your cardio good luck on the next season of the pfl but i'm sure we'll definitely be talking before that as well on behalf of myself and ollie good luck on your bets tomorrow and remember 
the fight start in 12 hours. It's an early start time, 10.30 a.m. Eastern. So don't get caught napping. Don't get caught sleeping because there's going to be some great fights right from the jump. We got to Gil and Bekov and Nassim Mental kicking off the card and then just pure fire right after that. So make sure you guys stick around. Uh, yeah, good luck on your bets. And I'll see you guys next week to break down another big card, UFC 268 between Colby Covington and Kamar Usman. Let's fucking go. But tomorrow night or tomorrow morning, war Alexander Volkov. Let's go. Make us rich, buddy. <laughs> <laughs>